Wow, it's so good to be with you guys. There's so many people in this room that I just absolutely love. Um, and just to see that we're all here to get into God's word together, um, it honestly really just warms my heart. And the fact that God would use me in this way is um, really humbling. Um, and even just like being at the conference this weekend, some of us went to, um, just really seeing a move of the Lord and all of us just coming together for the purpose of seeking God and to see what he would do with that in just like two days was amazing. And so now I'm just so excited they get to come back and just bring the word. Um, it's amazing. Um, so just starting off, um, we're going to be diving deeper into this phrase that you see on the back. Ryan's like, I don't really want to give it away, but it's literally just right behind his back. Um, so we're going to be diving into the topic, God helps those who help themselves. So this saying that we know, it might be um, common to us or not, but this phrase is, it's super popular um, in this Western circle of Christianity. Um, but where did it come from? What is the origin? Um, I think this saying, it might be quoted somewhere from Second Delusions or Bagabalonians, um, one of those two that you guys just love hearing. Um, but really, how did we get this saying? Where did it come from? Um, and is there any truth found in this phrase at all? Um, what does the Bible have to say about this? I think that that's the most important thing that we can get from all of this. Um, but tonight I hope to explore and just look into that deeper of this topic that God helps those who help themselves. So um, as we get into the background and as we get going into this, um, I just want to break the ice and say that this isn't found in the Bible at all. God helps them who help themselves is not a verse in the Bible. It's not found anywhere. Um, so, yeah, just going to break the ice with that one right there. Um, but we can actually trace this all the way back to Aesop's fables. Uh, maybe you guys know some of those stories. Uh, that would be the lion and the mouse, uh, the boy who cried wolf, or the tortoise and the hare. I'm sure that all of you guys heard those stories um, growing up. But Aesop, he wrote these stories about 500 years before Jesus even came on the scene. Um, this is about 6th century B.C., um, and this saying, it actually was birthed from one of those stories called Hercules and the Wagoneer. And so the story goes something a little bit like this. There was a Wagoneer and he was carrying a super heavy load on his wagon being pulled by horses. And all of a sudden, his wagon gets stuck in the mud and in the mire. And he's trying, he's trying to get it out, but it just won't budge. And so what does a reasonable man do? He prays to Hercules. Um, so this is just a story, of course. <laughs> So he's praying to Hercules in this story, and Hercules actually shows up. And Hercules says something along these lines. He says, why are you praying? Why don't you put your shoulder to the plow and move? Um, for the gods help those who help themselves. So little did I know when I was looking into this that, that this had anything to do with Greek mythology. Um, but it goes all the way back 500 years before Jesus. Um, and so this began with Aesop. And it was later made super popular by Benjamin Franklin. Other government officials and other people had used it. But Benjamin Franklin really coined this term um, where he used it in poor man's almanac. He said, God helps those who help themselves. So he changed it from the gods help those who help themselves to God helps those who help themselves. And so we see with this um, being said, it's a lot easier to become a little more skeptical of this saying when we hear that this is founded in Greek mythology. Um, so let's dive a little deeper to see if we can find any truth in this statement, God helps those who help themselves. And so I just want to start before we go any deeper by saying, I don't 
believe that when Christians say this, that they're trying to um, mean any harm in people's lives when they say it. I think that they have um, some good meaning efforts. They're trying to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or just go ahead and help yourself. Um, But I don't think that they're trying to um, steer anybody away or try and cause harm in anyone's life necessarily. Um, But I think that they're trying to just get people to turn their lives around, um, whatever that may mean. Um, So I don't think that they're trying to push the teachings of Hercules or uh, Hermes or Percy Jackson or anything like that. Um, I think that this is just a little bit of a misunderstanding um, or a lack of knowledge. I think that what they're trying to say or what they're trying to point to or allude to is this biblical principle that we find of stewardship. That we are to rightly handle the things that God has entrusted to us. We see many verses in the Bible regarding being hardworking, or verses that share about the dangers of being um, a sluggard or living our lives in a way that we shouldn't. We see some of these even just in the Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 25 through 26, it says, the desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. All day long he is craving, while the righteous give and do not hold back. Or we see in Proverbs 24, 33 through 34, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. I think all of you guys, if you've grown up in the church, have heard these sorts of teachings. um, And you can say amen to them because we know that they come from God and they're biblical teaching. Um, But are these things said in the Proverbs? Are they the same thing as God helps those who help themselves? And so I would argue that even if these things, they're meant um, not with bad intention, um, they're meant well, I believe that these are two entirely different ideas. I don't believe that they're even in the same category. Um, On one hand, we have this idea that Scripture gives us that we are responsible for our brain, our body, our skills in the life that God has entrusted to us, that he has gifted to us. And then there's this other option that we're given here, God helps those who help themselves, that isn't even biblical. And it would take it one step further in saying that if we do correctly handle those areas in our life, then God will meet us with this so-called help. And so we can see that this mistake here in taking it one step farther, it's taking this unbiblical phrase and it's misapplying it to these Proverbs and verses elsewhere, whatever you want to plaster it on. It's, it's misapplying it to what the Bible's really trying to say. And so if we take this saying, God helps those who help themselves, if we boil it down to its core, what it's really saying is, if we do something, then God will give us something in return. Um, and that's simply not true. And this isn't the application that the verses in Proverbs or any other place that you want to find it. Um, That's not the application. Um, So yes, we are totally responsible for rightly handling the giftings and the abilities that God has given us, but we cannot treat God like a genie by no means. I know that you guys know this, but it's not like I can um, just serve the Lord and be like, man, if I uh, sacrifice this part of my life and I serve in this ministry, then God's going to give me this desire that I want. Or if I... um, treat this person with respect, then they're going to treat me back with respect. It's just not how it works. Um, But our service for the Lord can't be out of this place where we expect something out of God when we serve him. It needs to be a motivation where we are serving out of love and thankfulness for what the Lord has done for us. 
And so we see this idea of God helping those um, who help themselves. It isn't found in the mouth of Jesus or even in the narrative of the word of God at all. This idea of God helping those who help themselves, it doesn't align with the teaching of the Bible at all. If we apply this teaching to some of the people in the Bible, what, if, what would we have told Job? This guy who loved the Lord. He was doing all that he could to serve him in obedience, and he was still afflicted with many things. Would we have told him, Job, God helps those who help themselves. This guy who went through so much, but yet he was so faithful in what God had for him. Would we have said, Job, just, just go scrape off those sores that you have. Maybe uh, just get a nice suit and go get a job interview, Job, because God helps those who help themselves. Um, no, of course we would not tell him that. Um, we see Job, his friends even give him some advice. They say, Job, maybe you've sinned, maybe you've done something wrong to receive this kind of punishment. But it does not work like that. Job, we know that he was a man that was willing to serve the Lord. He went through all of these different things, and yet he still received a life like this. The Bible says this about Job in Job 1.1. There was a man in the, in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Job probably helped himself then more, he helped himself more than anyone in the land in that day. I mean, this guy, he had a family, he had a stable income, he was a husband, and he feared the Lord, but he still received this kind of life. So can this thinking actually apply to these people? What would we have told Paul? This, this man who gave up everything that he had to serve the Lord. His status as a high religious leader, his comfort, maybe his money, a man who was beaten for God, he was stoned in Lystra, imprisoned. What should we have told him? Should we have told him, Paul, man, you really have it rough. Like, I can see you're in prison, and you've been beaten and stoned, but God helps those who help themselves. Why don't you just do this? X, Y, Z, you name it. Um, but we can see when we apply it to the life of believers that it just doesn't hold true. Because God helping us has nothing to do with what we can muster in our own strength how well I can serve the Lord, what I sacrifice to the Lord, how well I steward my money, all of these things, it has nothing to do with what we can do in our own strength. Because God helping, our, God helping those who help themselves, it isn't some formula that we can just apply to our lives. Like, because if it was, I think I would want a piece of that. Like, tell me this formula, this secret thing that I can do to just, like, improve my life. If God helps those who help themselves, why don't I, why, why is it not different, you know? Um, yeah, so it does not work. Um, I think if it did work, then I think our Christian lives would be a whole lot better. Um, I can't just try really, really hard at life. I can't just uh, keep putting my foot to the gas pedal and hope that things change um, and that I would receive a carefree and trial-free and heartache-free life because it, it just doesn't work like that. And I think we as Christians, we know that we didn't sign up for quite a life like that. Um, so I hope that we can see that this, this statement, God helps those who help themselves, it doesn't work out in our Christian lives like that. Um, this type of thinking, this is something that the world and its religions, they do. They're all about cleaning themselves up. Um, why don't you just follow the law? Why don't you become a morally decent person? Um, quit drinking, maybe scale that back a little bit, stop doing drugs, and just get your life together. Stop the sexual immorality. God helps those who help themselves. Um, but this kind of cleaning yourself up, it can only get you so far. What have you done everything in your ability that you possibly can to straighten yourself up? 
and you just still can't handle it. Um, this idea of God helping those who help themselves, it only holds up so long, and it misses one huge thing. What about those who are helpless? In both a practical and a spiritual sense, I bet everyone in this room, they could probably raise their hand and say that they've experienced some feeling of helplessness. Um, at one point in your life, maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've... Um, couldn't make ends meet financially. You name it. There are so many different reasons that leave us just helpless. Maybe you've had an injury. Uh, maybe you're sick, whatever it is. Um, or maybe you're just simply at the end of your rope. You're busy, you're working two, three jobs, and you're helpless. Um, so at best, this saying, it can give you some encouragement to keep chugging along. You can plaster it on there, and maybe it can give you some encouragement. But it doesn't deal with one thing that every human being on planet Earth deals with. It's that we're helpless, truly. And I just want to give you two um, examples showing the helplessness of man and how even helping ourselves, it doesn't get the job done. So the first example is going to be in John 5, um, 2 through 8. John 5, 2 through 8 says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, and while I'm going another steps down before me, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed, and walk. And so there's just a few things that I want to point out here. In this story, this man had his own idea of helping himself. This man had an idea that Jesus or anyone would place him in the pool. Not that Jesus would heal him in the pool, but that this water had some kind of ability to heal um, so back in this day, there were people that believed that there was a spring at the pool of Bethesda and it would spring up. And these people, if you were the first person to get to this spring, maybe you would be healed. And so this dude for 30 years was at this place in hopes that he would be healed. And so his idea of helping himself was that someone would help him get there first. Because everyone would always get there first. It would sprout up, someone a little bit faster would get there, and they'd get to the pool and... Um, this man would just be left helpless because he is crippled. And so this man, he had an idea of helping himself. So he had the Lord right in front of him, and he still is like, Lord, would you just put me in the pool? Or Jesus, would you just put me in the pool? Um, and so this idea that this man had of helping himself, it wasn't even focused on God at all. Um, he literally had Jesus right in front of his face. Um, and this is like the dangerous point that I want to... Um, point out, first, it's not even biblical. This saying isn't biblical at all. Um, but God helps those who help themselves. Sometimes I think that we, we get so carried away with trying to help ourselves and to do the right thing that we miss God in the midst of it. Um, and so this man who had Jesus right in front of his face, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And this man immediately thinks of his own way to be healed. Um, 
And Jesus wanted to do so much more for this man. And I think this is kind of where it ties in. It's like so often in our lives, I think the Lord wants to do so many great things with us, but we have our own idea of doing it. Um, And we miss out on what Jesus really has for us. So this man's capacity to heal himself or to help himself, it was limited to sitting by a pool waiting for a magical healing when all he needed to do was look to Jesus for help. And I'm not going to pretend like we all have different capacities. I mean, I know my capacity. Ryan has a lot bigger capacity. This man's lead pastor. He's doing so many things. And some of us may not have that big of a capacity, but we need to stop trying to do things in our own strength. We need to look to Jesus to do these things in our life. It wasn't him that got carried to the pool, that got healed by this thing. Jesus ultimately was the one that healed this man of being crippled. And he didn't do anything except for turn to God. So we must be careful. We need to watch our motivations when seeking to help ourselves. Are we really striving for God's will in our lives? Or do we have our own agenda that we want to accomplish? And we want to ask God just to bless the things that we're doing. And it might even be like a good desire. Like it might even be serving in ministry, but we want to do it our own way to get to this final product somehow. But it's like we miss Jesus in the midst of it. Um, And so I think that's something not only the Lord is speaking to me, but I think he could be speaking to all of you. Um, And it doesn't even have to be in a ministry context. It's like if you're a believer and you have a secular job, it's like the Lord wants to work in that area. You don't have to just worry and conjure up your own thoughts and your own idea, but Jesus actually wants to meet you in those things, and he wants to give you the solution, and he wants to just work with you. Um, and so it wasn't this man's own idea of helping him that got him to being healed, but it was actually Jesus. And so one thing that I just really learned um, from this con- the um, conference this weekend is that we as believers, we must be dependent on the Spirit. Um, Man, like I had my own idea and my own agenda of what I wanted to do at the conference. Like I'm so worried about um, teaching. Like I was sharing um, with some people a little bit. It's like, man, I was just so worried about this teaching that I was like missing what God had for me at the conference because I'm like, man, I just want to get through it and then I want to fast forward and then I just want to like get the stress off of me. But it's like, man, if we do that in our lives and we miss out on the goodness that the Spirit has for us now. Um, And so I think that we could see that in this passage. But are we yielding? Or are we just letting that thing just continue um, our own strength? But I think the Lord would have something more for us. And I just want to say the last thing on this passage, the best self-help that we could ever receive, it isn't something that we can accomplish ourselves. Um, it's when we get to that point when we say, Lord, you know what, I cannot do it any longer. Like, I don't have any more smarts. I don't have any more anything left in the tank to give. But we just need to give those things to the Lord, our troubles, our burdens, and our trials, because the Lord is the only one that can actually deal with them um, in a manner that's healthy. And so the second example that I wanted to share with you guys is in Romans 5, 8 through 9. The first one really touches on physical inability, one thing that I know that we all can come to the end of ourselves. But the second one specifically deals with our spiritual ability or disability. Romans 5, 8 through 9. You guys know this one. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
So this right here, this is the whole heart of the sermon. Uh, This is the thing that I want you guys to key in on um, and that I want you to walk away with tonight. You may know this, but the role of salvation and becoming right before God, it can only be made right with the Lord. It can never be done on our own will or our own ability. Um, At best, we can become like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. We can't will our way into salvation. We can't will our way into heaven, but it's only what Jesus has done for us. So Isaiah 64, it says something along these lines. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And I know that most of us here, are, we are in Christ and we've experienced this and we live this out on an everyday basis. But there are so many people, even in the church, that still think that their salvation comes from things that they've done. Think that they can put it all together, they can clean themselves up morally, they can come to church, that they can um, have all the outward sins dealt with, but yet they're still riddled with sin. It says we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. That just blows my mind, the fact that if we are not in Christ and we try and say, Lord, this is what I have, man, I am so good. He says, it is like filthy rags. That just blows my mind. So helping ourselves is at best filthy rags. And God will not and cannot accept any of it. And it simply can't please him. Because we are just filthy sinners. But this is the best part. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him, from the wrath of God. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And nowhere here does it mention our own works, our own doing, our own cleaning ourselves up, our own accomplishments, but we were guilty before God. But Jesus came perfect. He came sinless, and he lived out that life that we could never attain or ever come from. And so when we say this saying, God helps those who help themselves, we're really robbing God of the glory that he deserves in our life. There's nothing that we could ever do to help ourselves. This life that we live now in Christ It requires a lot of grace, and it requires a lot of humility. And it begins by giving Jesus the proper glory that he deserves. So I just want to close with just a story and maybe a little bit of application. Um, But before I came to the Lord, um, I knew that the things that I was doing, it wasn't right. Um, Drinking and smoking and just being in a life of um, debauchery, I knew that those things were wrong. And I felt this hole inside of me. And I was like, man, maybe if I just stop doing these things, then I'll feel better. And so I would try. I would try to stop smoking. I would try to stop um, watching pornography and doing all of these things that I knew were wrong. But I didn't know why they were wrong or that I needed to quit or how to quit. But I came to this place after trying to stop doing them in my own strength for so long that I just gave up. I'm like, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I've probably said that I was going to quit smoking and vaping maybe a hundred times, really. But it, when it, it was when I came to this place where I was like, Lord, I cannot do this in my own strength. Like, no way. Lord, would you help me? 
by the power of your spirit, would you help me to stop doing these things? And it was from that moment where I actually got to see real change happen in my life. Um, and I just want to say it's nothing of my own strength, but it's only what Jesus can do. And so this is exactly what he wants to do in your life too. He doesn't want to just do it in my life. He doesn't want to do it in just maybe a few people. He wants to do it in all of your lives. And maybe you're not at that place where you're wrestling with like these huge sins, but the Lord has more for you. He has more for you than what you're sitting in right now in this chair. And it begins with like, Lord, I'm only a human and I can only do so much. Lord, what do you have for me? Um, and it's from that place that we see real change in our Christian life. But it begins by letting go of some pride. And it begins by um, letting the Lord do this work and just letting go of the wheel. Um, so yeah, I think that the Lord really has more for you in your life. And I think that's one thing that I really learned um, from this conference. It's like, man, I feel like I'm in this place um, in my ministry and in my walk with the Lord where like I've conquered those outward sins and I feel like I've just hit a wall. And I think what the Lord is showing me this weekend, it's because I have pride in my own flesh and the own things that I do. And it's like, I can't avoid that. But until I get over that and I say, Lord, would you be the one to continue that work? Like he didn't have for me just to stop these sins and maybe start serving in ministry. He had me dedicating my whole life and every single thing that I'm wrestling with and every single anxiety and every single thought and every uh, coworker that I talk to, all of those things Jesus wants. Um, and so we have to let our guard down and we need to say, Lord, I have a capacity, but I want you to grow that capacity. Um, and so that's what I have for you guys tonight. Um, I'm just gonna pray and invite the Lord just to show us where we need help, where we need stretching, where we need growing. Um, so yeah, that's what I think the Lord have for us tonight.